Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B I Z A R R O. If you want to find us, we're on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. If you want to be on the show, you can DM us there. And you can also listen to us or find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. I appreciate the growth and I appreciate all the sharing of the podcast and supporting all the entrepreneurs who are on here. With that being said, we're going to jump right into it. I have with us today Sharice Huff of Sharice's Kind of Sweets out of Oakland, California. How are you doing today, Sharice? I'm doing just fine. How are you today? I'm doing well. I think this is, Sharice has a lot of patience, just so the audience knows. It's been a little bit of a fumbling mess today as we're trying to get things up and running here in New York and, and getting used to a new team and stuff like that. So yeah. let's talk about your story. Let's talk about... Okay. A, again and take as much time as you want we're in no rush i i want to hear like you, you we mentioned before you had entrepreneurial relatives so let's start there how'd you grow up and, and how'd you find a love for food well i was just born to love food i love to eat and that's number one <laughs> but um i was born in san francisco california and pretty much raised all over the bay area um, my, my parents weren't entrepreneurs, but they did keep a nine to five and they worked city jobs. So they made pretty good money. However, my aunts and my uncles were the ones who owned businesses and invested in real estate. Um, one of my aunts had a restaurant in Oakland, California um, called Images International. I worked there during high school years. But once I graduated from high school and started to go to college. I started working for another restaurant called The Melt in, Oak, in San Francisco. And um, within three months, I was promoted to management. So even after I graduated from college and received my two degrees in business, I still stayed working in restaurants. And currently, um, I manage a BJ's brew house, uh, a brewery restaurant um, located in San Bruno, California. Um, but this is my third business. And I'm starting it out with treats. So I was introduced to it through edible arrangements, of course. We heard of edible arrangements. Um, and there was another lady who had a similar business who used to come to my job and make chocolate dipped strawberries. So I assumed I can do the same thing. I'm like, okay, well, this seemed pretty easy. Let me see if I can do it. And Valentine's Day was not too far away. So I figured this was an, a way I could make some extra money. Um, but it didn't go as planned. Uh, actually working with chocolate is pretty difficult. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but lucky for me, I was able to know a couple of chefs and I worked alongside a couple of chefs who taught me how to temper chocolate. I got it down and I made a pretty good profit that week and I just kept it going. And other people I knew were sending me ideas, you know, telling me, hey, maybe you should make this, maybe you should make that. And I put my own little twist to it and now I have a full menu. This is really cool, actually, and this is a small world, but I in it we were off of Eccles Avenue uh, when we were in mm-hmm. South San Francisco. That's where Food Service Partner was. We were there for 20 years when we did all the Kaiser Permanente Hospital's patient food as Food Service Partners. We eventually moved over to Union City, California, across the bay mm-hmm. uh, to find a bigger space, but... That BJ's, I've been there like numerous amounts of times. For some reason, every time someone wanted to do a meeting or come into South San Francisco, we'd end up in San Bruno. And it's mm-hmm. in a mall, right? It's part of a mall complex. Right. Right. Yeah, it I, is, yeah. 
I've been there numerous times, and that's just a crazy, weird, small world we're talking about here because I can totally visualize the place. I can totally visualize getting out of there and getting on the San Mateo Bridge to go over to Union City or Oakland when I would have to go that way. And so it's like taking me back, oddly. And, um, And it's weird because I was actually probably at that restaurant maybe even exactly a year ago around this time was the last time I was there. And so this is a really cool experience because I totally understand why you're doing it. I understand the love of staying in food and and yeah. not taking your degrees and going get a corporate job because I'm the same person. Like I have two degrees like all over the place. I was an entrepreneur for 24 years, like still an entrepreneur. And I'm like, everyone's like, why don't you just take a corporate job in the meantime to keep yourself busy? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yeah. oh, Hell no. Well, mm-hmm. the podcast thing took off, and I've got podcasts now, and I've got this TV show thing going, Foodtopia, uh, Eat, Love, Learn. That's going to be fun, but there was, there's still no way, even between now and then, that I'm going to go back into an environment because I like food so much, and I like mm-hmm. learning new things, and you don't... You learn so much being in, in service and food and in the restaurants and, and delivering the food and whatever the experience that you want to get is. Um, and for me, you know, nothing's below me. So I'm like, I will do anything just to learn, just to be around food, just to appreciate what's right. going on. So, and it's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because I get to be about talk all day long with a bunch of individuals who share the same passion of food as I do. So this is really mm-hmm. cool. So talk to me a little bit. I, I interrupted you a little bit and I apologize for that, but okay. like you have two degrees. Um, uh, where'd you get your degrees from? Just well, like, I went to Hill College of uh, San Francisco. Very cool. I yeah, like I that Hill a lot. College of San mm-hmm. And then I transferred to San Francisco State for a little bit. And I was planning on getting my bachelor's degree, but it just didn't work out. I just started my entrepreneurship. Yeah, I I get that. And a lot of people are just like, the problem with business school is you're looking in the rearview mirror. And entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is in the moment now. You're cutting flesh, like in the moment. Like there's no case study or book written about it because an entrepreneur has to actually adjust to the living moment. While a business background is, is, I guess, important in the education the education experience and exposure by actually being in the restaurant is mostly what what helps you get there so yeah yeah how'd you come up with the idea of infusing alcohol into food well my favorite area at the restaurant is the bar (laughs) believe it or not i cannot get away from the bar i'm always making drinks i'm always experimenting and i've been working in restaurants for about 15 years now so i know what alcohol tastes pretty good with what type of tropical fruit or what type of flavoring you know in general it's just i don't know i'm adapted to that and then you know i love food so much i just know it tastes right you know so i wanted to do something different everybody has to make desserts you know i can go on doordash right now my business is on doordash but i have some competition because there's like five or six other restaurants in the same area that's doing desserts nothing but desserts so what will make mine different from everybody else's? You know, everyone can do something infused with alcohol, but are they doing it correctly? Are they doing it to where you can taste the alcohol? Is it for the flavoring? Or is it actually to get somebody a little tipsy, you know? So are, so what what can I do with my treats to make people want to, you know, be intrigued by it? Or I can even, you know, open up a, my own little, you know, store, which is, you know, the goal 
to open up my own store and actually have it open late night. You know, what, what, why would somebody want to get desserts late night? So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to infuse with alcohol. And then alcohol actually adds a different flavor to it, depending on what you make. If I make an alcoholic caramel, for instance, Tennessee caramel, you, you won't think that it's alcohol in it, but it actually makes the caramel taste so much better, you know? But the strawberries, I inject it with Grand Marnier. Let that sit overnight. Change the taste of the, the flavor of the strawberries, you know? So working with alcohol is pretty fun when you infuse it with sweets. I love this, and I love where we're going with this. Um, let's just, I don't even know where to begin. So let's talk about the first product you ever made. How did that go? Where did you start? And then what steps did you take from there? All right. The first uh, product I ever made was the chocolate-covered strawberries. Um, like I said before, it, w it wasn't really successful. I thought I could just dip in it, warm up the chocolate and dip it in. It was a little difficult sometimes warming up the chocolate because I would burn it. Sometimes the chocolate would be too thick. Some, you know, depending on which chocolate. If I'm doing dark chocolate, cho dark chocolate is a little easier for me to work with. White chocolate is a little easier, too, but you got to keep an eye on milk, milk, white chocolate and keep an eye on it when you're milk, milk chocolate as well because it gets thick really quick. And then if, if the chocolate gets thick, do you just throw it out? How can you save money? What can you do to fix it? You know, so it, these are all the things I had to, to learn while, you know, trying to make strawberries. Just dip in the strawberries and chocolate, you know, especially if you use good chocolate because not all chocolate tastes the same. Some people will go grab candy melts and think they could just dip fruit in candy melts and it has the same flavor as chocolate, but it doesn't, you know. So I, I started getting that down. And um, looking up videos and uh, pictures of what people were doing to make their chocolate-covered strawberries look better. So then I started doing varieties. You know, a lot of people were interested in the white chocolate with the fruity pebbles or the cocoa pebbles, Oreos, those type of flavors. So I started doing that. And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can start doing caramel apples. So like the second weekend within my business, I started doing caramel apples in different flavors. But... Those weren't coming out good. Like I try to do a, a a white chocolate, you know, apple without using caramel, and as soon as you cut into it, everything was fall apart, you know. So I had to play around with it, where everything would stay together, you know. Um, yeah. So those are the first two products I ever started with, with the strawberries and the, and the caramel apples, and I kept going with that for a little bit, and then I started doing. Ch uh, cheesecake stuffed caramel apples with strawberries inside you know yeah that's the one that caught my attention that's the one where i was yeah. like oh my gosh i need to track this person down i need to find yeah. where this came from who made these and like like i'm tracking you down on on instagram and um mm -hmm. because i saw like the caramel with the cheesecake and I, whatever it was infused by um actually I didn't even think about I it, that's not the first thought of my mind it didn't even occur to me that it was infused with anything I'm just like this is an incredible idea to begin with so you're already mm -hmm. doing it with cheesecake now you're adding a layer and I like this because one of the things you said is and everyone like the best professor I ever had like hammered this into my head if you want to have a cookie shop you can't just have the same cookie shop as everyone else you got to have the best damn cookie shop 
and that's right, what you're doing. Right. You're having the best damn products. Your products are phenomenal, but then you're you're sinking it home and hitting the home run by infusing it. And I like this. I can't wait to see where this goes. I like that you're delivering through DoorDash, Me and we'll too. talk about that a, a little bit. But let's talk about the okay. idea. How'd you come up with an idea to do cheesecake with the caramel apple? Like, well, where did that come from? Not- Someone else was doing it before me. So, um, I have a cousin who was actually uh, helping me with all my uh, material that I'm trying to sell, I guess you can say. Um, And she actually sent me a video of a cheesecake stuffed apple. Didn't look anything like mine. Wasn't as good as mine. It was just regular cheesecake inside an apple. And I'm like, she was like, you should start doing this. And I'm like, okay, let me try. I'll make you one. You know, so I tried to make her one, and I put my own little twist on it. I added the butter cookie. I did the Grand Marier chocolate, uh, the Grand Marier strawberry puree. I added a little extra sweetness and goodness and love into my cheesecake, put it together, and gave it to her. Um, and she also wanted me to do a, a Kit Kat one. So I did a Kit Kat one, which got a little messy my first try, but I got that down. Let her try it, and it was really good. And before I... I even started making cheesecake. I never liked cheesecake. I did not like cheesecake my whole entire life. But as soon as I started making it and put, you know, I would tell you my ingredients, but I don't want to, you know, put it out there. But as soon as I started making it, I got addicted. I'm addicted to cheesecake now. Well, my cheesecake, I'm addicted. And everyone else who tries it gets addicted too. You know, I have to give out warning cards when I, you know, when I work cheesecake, especially the strawberry cheesecake, you know. I love this. I love this the the cheesecake and the apple is just so brilliant so let's talk about what are the all the items you produce or you don't need to name all of them i guess but what are your most popular because i want to know all of them i'm freaking drooling over here and okay, i went so from sweating because we couldn't get things started right to now drooling over the food so <laughs> i'm just losing liquid like rapidly okay so um we have the hennessy brownies okay which I worked with the baker. Well, not really worked with the baker, but it took me a long time to get this recipe down. I didn't know. I honestly didn't know that you could cook out alcohol. So every time I'm, I'm buying these bottles of Hennessy and I'm just spending money on that and I'm buying, you know, all the product to make the brownies. And when I'm baking it, I'm like, I can't taste the alcohol. I'm filling up the batter. I'm like, the batter, it tastes like nothing but alcohol. When I bake it, I don't taste it. So I called a baker I know who actually opened her own bakery. And I asked her, like, why isn't it working? And she said, it's because you're not supposed to bake the alcohol. You're supposed to inject it with alcohol. And I'm like, oh. And she's because she makes cake. Every birthday, she'll make me a rum cake. And she'll design it the way that I like it. And and the rum cake will actually get people tipsy. So I'm wondering how she does that, you know? And she said, you're supposed to inject it into it. But. She was like, she doesn't think I'll be able to do it with brownies because brownies are already gooey in the center. She said, well, it wouldn't work. It'll, it'll make it too mushy. So I'm like, well, what can I do with my brownies to where I, it won't be as mushy, but I can inject it with Hennessy? I tried out some things. I came up with something. It worked, and now I'm able to inject brownies with Hennessy. So I have Hennessy brownie. I had uh, rum cakes, which I do sometime, which I, I top it off with the lemon rum glaze. Same thing with the Hennessy brownies. I top it off with the Hennessy glaze that I make. Um, I have the cheesecakes, different cheesecakes, the Crown Royal whiskey, uh, peach whiskey, pe- uh, peach cobbler cheesecake, the Grand Marier strawberry cheesecake, the Hennessy cheesecakes, which uh, caramel cheesecake, which is pretty good. Um, 
what else do I have on there? The, the stuffed apples that you know, a lot of good gift packages. And for parties, I make a tower with strawberries and roses, and it looks really good. You know, really good for parties, tastes good, you know. Um, and let me see if I can name one more thing. I have some good things coming up for the summer. Uh, candy fruit which no one out here in the Bay Area is doing. That's pretty much a down south thing, but I'm introducing it. And um, I had it around for about a month now, and it's really popular. That's it's pretty much what everybody is ordering now. It, um, it's so true, actually. It's a very southern thing, and I, I love this. We're going to talk about this a little bit, too. Go ahead. Yeah. So I got the candy fruit. I got the funnel cakes for the summer. I have alcoholic popsicles coming soon. I'm experimenting to see if I can put, like, the... Uh, you know, the alcoholic shooter, the shooter tube that they usually put in drinks when you go to restaurants, Mexican restaurants in particular. When you get a margarita, they'll have like a tube with a shot in there. I'm thinking about doing something like that in the, in, in, uh, in the middle of the popsicles. So I'm trying to get that together. But I have the popsicles, the funnel cakes. I even have candy bars coming. So I have a whole lot of stuff coming lined up for the summer, you know. This is incredible. Okay, one, I love that you're doing the candied fruit, okay, as an Italian, yeah. like... I know all about fruitcake, okay, and not not the pun intended, but the actual fruitcake that you eat that only happens at Christmas, and most yeah, people don't yeah. like the candy fruit in it, but mm. I do. I grew up eating it, so weirdly, I have a, a f taste for it, and I've spent a lot of time in Georgia over the last, wow, jeez, uh, like eight years. And they have a lot of it down there. And actually, the Georgia Fruitcake Company produces the most Georgia fruitcakes or fruitcakes in the world, I think, and sends them all over the world. And they're only open like three months a year producing, and the rest are on vacation because they can produce so many over the holidays. They don't need to produce food the rest of the year. But mm -hmm. the candy fruit thing, talk to me about that because you grew up in San Francisco. How did you discover candy fruit? Well, the same way I discovered cheesecake stuffed apples. I have another cousin that lives in Texas. And she sent me a video and said, you should make these. However, I was already following a, a lady down in Florida, I believe, that was making the candy fruit. And I was trying to, and she was offering classes on teaching people how to make the candy. But I didn't know it was the same candy that you would use for candy apples, you know. However, it's a different process. On the, depending on which fruit you make, it's a different process on the dipping. Sometimes you have to freeze the fruit. If you're doing grapes or something in, like grapes, you don't have to freeze it. Well, my cousin sent me this video, told me that uh, I should make this. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should. And I was already on my way to Texas to see her. So when I got out there, what she wanted to do was experiment in her kitchen and see if we can actually create some candy fruit. And that's what we did. And it actually came out pretty good. And the flavor was really good. So I told myself, all right, when I get back home, I'm going to start doing this and adding it to the menu because nobody in the Bay Area is doing it. And a lot of people like sugar. I'm not into sugar like that. Until I started this business, I wasn't into sugar like that. But for some reason, this candy fruit is even as addicting as a cheesecake. <laughs> it's it, as addicting as a cheesecake. <laughs> and I love it because you're doing the real style of candy fruit. It's not an artificial fruit. It's not like we sometimes see in the store, even sometimes in the fruit cakes that I'm talking about, you're talking about like actually dipping like strawberries and oranges and grapes and whatever else in like yeah. in a, in a sugar corn syrup candy st type thing. I don't know if you use corn syrup, but I remember yeah, I that when I was a kid and, um, and my grandmother doing it, 
which is weird because when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having a flashback that I haven't thought about yeah. in like decades. <laughs> and my grandmother died when I was 12. So like I'm talking pretty young here when I remembered it. So this is a really, really cool thing. So what are all the fruits that you're canning? You talked about strawberries and grapes. Uh, what else? Pineapple. Um, cool. I'm also doing apples, regular apples. And uh, what I'm adding new to the menu for the summer will be watermelon. So I'm going to do candied watermelon. And what's your favorite type of fruit, just out of curiosity? Because we've talked a lot about candied fruit. Uh, we've talked a lot about chocolate-covered fruit or and mm-hmm. fruit-inspired cheesecakes. What's your favorite type of fruit? My favorite fruits are pineapple and oranges. Very cool. You like the you got a little bit of southernness going on there, even though you're from yeah. San Francisco <laughs> or maybe even the a Caribbean a little bit. But I like those as well. I'm the same. I like oranges. I like you know the little um, tangelo type things, and yeah. I like strawberries and grapes. I like all fruit. I'm a huge fruit fan. But I would say that my favorite's definitely like bananas, apples, oranges, pineapple. I'm just a tradition that way. But I'll eat any fruit almost out there right me too. Me uh, too. you know pomegranate's a little weird for me because of the texture but i'll eat it um mm-hmm. so wow i'm very impressed by this i i don't e- i have a lot of things that i want to ask once you okay. got into the cheesecakes okay because cheesecake's a little hard to produce in and of itself and make sure mm-hmm. you get the life out of it and the temperature control how did you decide to create the new ones and how'd you like I know you grew up in a bar, but you really went to, like, you were talking about Crown Royale and Hennessy, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the other name brands you used, but how did you decide to use those, and how did you come up with the idea of the cheesecakes that you use them in? Well, I just wanted to add different varieties to the menu. Um, I, already, I started off with the Grand Marnier strawberry cheesecake, because I was already doing the Grand Marnier with the strawberries. Um, I had the Oreo going on, so I did the Oreo cheesecake, which actually tastes like cookies and cream ice cream, vanilla ice cream. Um, and those were the first two that I started with. When I when I went started adding more cheesecakes to the menu, it was around the holiday season. And around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, everyone in my family and all my friends, almost everyone I know, wants peach cobbler. So I figured I'd just go ahead and do a peach cobbler cheesecake, but I wanted to add alcohol to it. And what better alcohol to add but the Crown Royal Peach co- uh, peach Whiskey. So I added that to it. However, I'm not, I didn't invent that. Other people were already doing that, and I didn't know. I thought I was doing something new, but I wasn't. <laughs> so I started adding the Crown Royal Peach Cobbler Whiskey to that. Um, I like caramel cheesecake. Whenever I want to snack on something and I'm at home and I have a little cheesecake filling, I throw a little cheesecake in a cup, and I'll add a little caramel. But I wanted to do something different with the crust. So uh, I remember one of my friends ordered a cheesecake stuffed apple, but she's allergic to certain items, you know, certain things that I have. So instead of me using cookies for the outside of the apple, I did a honey uh, roasted peanut and walnut. I mixed it together, and I did that for her apple. And it actually tastes pretty good. So I figured I'd do that for the caramel cheesecake. And instead of adding just the honey roasted uh, peanuts and the walnuts, I add a little butter cookie because I put butter cookie in almost every single thing. I just love butter cookie. So I added a little butter cookie for the crust, um, added my Hennessy caramel, 
that I usually use for my Hennessy caramel popcorn. Put that on there, and that came out really good. I wasn't expecting that, and it and that took off. As soon as I put it on the menu, I, I got three orders in one day, and that was actually pretty good, you know. So I had the Hennessy caramel cheesecake, the Crown Royal peach whiskey, peach cobbler cheesecake. I bet I have to come up with better names. These are some long names. Grand Marnier strawberry cheesecake. Oreo cheesecake, I don't add any alcohol. I mean, that's an option for kids. You know, I try to add some options on there for kids. Um, I think that's, oh, I have a banana, a banana pudding cheesecake. Now, you'll probably like that since you like bananas, you know? I do love banana, banana pudding, and I like cheesecake. That's, Ita- yeah. I think all Italians like cheesecake. I think it's that's also bred into our blood. Like, give me cheesecake allure. Um, yeah, cheesecake. It's good. It's really <laughs> good. For me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I want to just, I'm going to anchor this for the audience and, and I want to just talk about this mm-hmm. and everyone can hear. I have another podcast called the night dasher. Um, and with Justin Bizarro, it's D a S H O R. And because there's a play on words there and a play on a name, but the, okay. um, but part of it, and, and I do a lot of research now and I do a lot of like, learning the delivery game because I am a food entrepreneur. I am in the food entrepreneur space and I do build companies in the food space. But Cheesecake Factory is one of the biggest delivery options for DoorDash. If you're a DoorDash or a Uber driver or Grubhubber or a Chownower, whatever they're called, the Cheesecake Factory is a hot spot because they have the cheesecakes. I mean, they have dinner items and stuff like that, but those cheesecakes run major volume. People order that galore, just delivery of desserts, which who would have thought that, okay, people are not only delivering dinner, but now that people just want their desserts delivered, whether it's like a Baskin Robbins or whatever, but especially the cheesecakes. I cannot mm-hmm. tell you how much volume, like it's a serious amount of volume of people just ordering cheesecakes, like, you know, just to their home. So how did you decide to get into the delivery game and why did you choose DoorDash first, just out of curiosity? Um, well, I decided to choose DoorDash because, I, I don't know, I actually tried all of them, all of the delivery services. I'm like, I wonder if I can get on there. I have a license for a business. I don't see why not, you know? And so I tried Uber Eats, but Uber Eats doesn't do a ghost kitchen. Um, I tried DoorDash, everything went through, you know, and I'm also on a different one called Local B, which is a new delivery service. And I'm like the 58th restaurant that's on this delivery service, but I think they'll do pretty good, you know. Um, so I'm on two services so far. Um, you said that question? the name was Local Beat? Uh, Local B, L-O-K-O-B-E-E. L O. K O B. What was the last part? E E. B. Loku B. Okay, I thought it was B, but I like this. I like this a lot. I like that there's someone out there competing competing with these guys. I also agree with you 100 mm-hmm. percent that DoorDash has the easiest onboarding process, and it's easiest mm-hmm. to get to market. It's easiest to become a driver. It's the easiest to get your business off the ground. They also charge the least amount of fees, at least in my experience. Um, to the end users and to the restaurants, but maybe that's not true anymore. But in my, mm-hmm. from what I've seen, like there's just a different model there. I don't know how to explain it. I also think they take care, better care of their delivery drivers and their merchants. But that's here nor there. I'm just gonna say that out loud. 
and mm-hmm. um, it's one of the reasons that they'll always be number one to me for now. I, until someone else shows me otherwise, I'm an intelligent person, so I believe in the ability of changing my own mind with facts and and things like that, of course, and not being stuck. But um, and that is the definition of intelligence, really, is the ability to change yeah. your own mind with evidence and proof. And so one of the things that you that you're doing one is the cheesecake like okay that's great because i think there's a huge market there the second part is you decided to go to delivery you have a ghost kitchen so you're not taking on too much uh, overhead and stuff like that so how did you find space how did you go about saying okay now i have a business now i need to grow this mother into something bigger well um it was actually difficult to try to find a ghost kitchen because a lot of these ghost kitchens in the bay area uh the amount they'll charge you a month you can pretty much just get your own kitchen right so um my aunt she has the house in oakland and she doesn't live there so i actually use this house to make my treats (laughs) and doordash makes it easy for the delivery drivers to come to the house and just pick it up you know um, it's not even in a, a business res, uh, business uh, neighborhood. It's pretty much like in a residential, even though it's not too far from a plaza. Um, I'm right, literally near a plaza. But you know, I just do everything in in house. Love this a lot, and I love that DoorDash is doing this for you, and that you don't have to go out selling your stuff right now. And while I be- believe in building your own brands before you go to a delivery service, you have such a strong brand and a strong product. I don't think it matters because I mean it stuck out enough for me where I've been continually hunting down Sharice, just so everyone knows. Like I'm a hunter. Like I'm like, okay, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? I even use two yeah. different platforms. I use my personal account and the Justin the Food Entrepreneur's account not knowing I was doing both because I keep seeing the product out there and keep seeing people share it and I'm like who is this person creating these things <laughs> like someone where's my team go find this person you know um, if I can't yeah. get a hold of her you're going out to California and tracking her down and um, <laughs> and because I just think that what you're doing is so cool uh, and it's so perfect. And the other part I like that you said is you're willing to do delivery late night. You know, you're doing, yeah. you're opening up and with alcohol infused, it goes well. Like I d- can't think of anything better than, than doing that. So like what are the most popular items you have that are sold on, on to your customers or, or through DoorDash? Well, cheesecake, of course. Everyone loves cheesecake. Uh, the caramel apples. A lot of people get the apples for the kids, and I have a whole, whole bunch of different app, caramel apples to choose from. Um, and then the cheesecake stuffed caramel apples, those are pretty popular. When it comes to parties, people throwing private events, a lot of times it's the strawberries and the Hennessy brownies. The Hennessy brownies, actually, I think I've probably t- said this before, it gets people a little tipsy. I hear that often. Um, so usually they go for the brownies or the strawberries for parties and events. But normally on DoorDash, it's the cheesecake, the apples, and the cheesecake stuffed apples. It's so interesting because when you digest alcohol through food like this, there's a slower release, and it's actually a better experience, at least, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I think it's essential, and it's an interesting thing because you're you're it's not going straight in. It's there's a digestive process, but it also gets absorbed no different. 
But to your point, to the parties, the this is such a fun experience that you've created. You've almost created something. And I know there's other people out there that do this. They just, you know, this is the thing I always think I love about Instagram. Everyone wants 500,000 followers. I get it. I understand mm-hmm. it, but not if you don't have 500,000 followers who can get access to your products, you can't convert them in unless you do franchising. Like it's usually people around the world. But one of the things mm-hmm. about your product that keeps happening that I keep seeing is the pleasure behind it, the enjoyment behind it, the the mm-hmm. differences. Like there's something different about you. There's something different about your product than everyone else in mainstream. Okay, that's one. Okay. It's, and I'm not just saying that because you've been on the podcast, although I will say it takes a different type of person to come on this podcast because when I tell them that I'm not a foodie or a food blogger, I'm doing this for entrepreneurs and to, to help other entrepreneurs because that type of mentality where you're in the game and you're, you're obviously trying to run a profitable business, but you get that you have to give mm-hmm. back in order to grow forward. And right, so right. it comes out in your product. It comes out in your personality. It comes out in your Instagram um, in the way that you're doing it. So it's a compliment. It's also I'm totally intrigued by you uh, because of this Thank and intrigued you. by your product. Um, and I have a lot of curiosity. And I'm trying to figure out when I can get out to San Francisco to actually do more with this because I have a lot yeah. of we're starting to get a big bubble out there of people on the podcast and. A group of individuals since I'm relaunching another show called the Justin Ryan Bizarro Show that's about musicians and entrepreneurs in, in all other spaces because I had so many people coming to me to want to be on the food entrepreneur show that weren't for, mm-hmm. food entrepreneurs that I had to create another show. But which is weird because I still have to track down food entrepreneurs to be on the show because we're a totally different breed. But a non-food entrepreneur, there's not a lot of them like there are of us food entrepreneurs. So like they're just looking for space and they want to be on the show. And I'm like, I'll create a separate space for you guys. But my point is this. I have a lot of people on the show and I meet a lot of people that are not on the show. And I talk to a lot of people. What is it that that drives you? Because I want to anchor this because I do feel a difference. Uh, and who you are, what what drives you, what motivates you, uh, who inspires you, what? I mean, there's something there. Okay, well, I'm going to get a little deep. You ready? Absolutely. So, I was on my way to marriage, happy home, all this good stuff, you know. Uh, but my fiancé at the time, he got cancer and he passed away. I, I dealt with a lot during his last Jeez, year. Jeez, you know, that's little- not what I was expecting you to say. Uh, I know, I'm sorry, I wasn't No, no, you're good, you're good, you're good. I'm so sorry that (laughs) that happened, I'm sorry. It's okay, but this happened in 2016, and you know, it's not nothing that you can ever let go of, but I've gotten way better than I was, right? So, I mean, it's easier for me to talk about it. Now, this happened, when this happened, I was running, I was working at Olive Garden, I was a manager there, and I told myself, you know what, I really want to own my own business, I don't, I, I'm an Aquarius. I don't like being told what to do, even though I, I, I just go along with it. I need to make money, right? Uh, I don't want to work for a corporation that can just let you go at any time. They can replace you if you die. That's what happened to my fiance, even though he was an entrepreneur. He owned a couple of businesses before he got sick. He actually taught me how to start, you know, start my business, my, my first business, you know? So I'm like, I, 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 tomorrow's not promise. And I actually started to believe in that. When that happened, I didn't even think somebody that close to me would pass away, you know? So I'm like, there's no telling when I, when my day is, is going to be the last. So I have to actually take the risk and do exactly what I want to do now. 
So I took that risk and I jumped out there in entrepreneurship and quit my job, um, which would have been okay if I would have known the accurate moves to make. I was spending money on so much stupid stuff that I didn't have to spend money on trying to get out there because a lot of my clients at the time was from word of mouth or social media. So that was something that I learned that I could do different with this business, right? So once that happened, um, the pandemic hit and I went right back into running restaurants. So for three years, I tried to run that first business. Um, and when I went back into restaurants, I still had it in the back of my mind. I don't want to work for anybody, you know, working 10 to 12 hour shifts every single day, sometimes 10 days straight, that get exhausting. And in customer service, you know, People assume because you're a manager at a restaurant and you're working in customer service, you got the easiest job. But sometimes it seems like the hardest job because total chaos can break out at once. Everything can start breaking apart. You have to call people to get them in. You have people that's coming in late, which is making it hard for you to run the restaurant you want to. So now you have upset guests and they're cussing you out. That could be mentally draining if you're dealing with that almost every single day, especially when you're getting into a restaurant and it's trying to get back on its feet after the pandemic. You're low staff. You don't have anybody. And when customers come in there, they, they don't understand that. So they get mad at every little thing that goes wrong. And by you being the person in charge, you have to recover that. Right. So it was mentally draining. And even though I tried to start my business, I really wanted to invest more time in it because I've noticed myself. I'll be at work for 12 hours. But when I get home at 2 o'clock in the morning and have to knock out some orders, I could, it doesn't matter how exhausted I am. Once I get home and get ready to do these orders, I'm up. I got all this energy. I, I have, It's fun. I could be creative. Sometimes I'm up 24 hours. One time I was up 48. I had to work an event. And I was working all these long hours at work. And when I got home, I had to improvise and figure out how I was going to get all these, you know, these treats and stuff ready for the event. And I'm doing everything on my own, on my, by myself. You know, like I don't I don't really have as much help as I should. So most times when I'm doing things by myself, I have to improvise. It. You know, it, it's about me just wanting to have everything for my own. If I have to put in stress, if I have to put in work and all these hours, let it be for something that's mine. You know, I'm creative. It's fun. It's something that I enjoy enjoy doing. And I put a whole bunch of love into what I do. And I think that's probably what makes it different because I or makes me different from other people. Because this is something that I can actually see myself doing forever, you know, until or as long as I can. Because I enjoy doing it. I'm not just doing it for money, if that makes any sense. It does. Um, and I like that a lot because I think when we trace our passions and we, the money becomes, I would call it, it I would normally say secondary, but for me, it's like God, family, business. Mm-hmm. And, um, and part of that family is doing the right thing and being happy in my business before the business business, which is making sure it's profitable. Mm-hmm. And I like that you said that because when you follow your passion, when you when you stay true to yourself, the thing that people also buy, and that actually is you, um, they're attracted to you and what you're doing because you're happy. They want what you have, but it also in food translates into it. I don't know how, but people talk about love into their food and and emotion into their food. I don't know how, but it's one hundred percent true. It's it's one of those things that. I think when people enjoy it more, you can tell the difference. I mean, I've seen it with clothing companies and stuff as well, or, or other people I've coached and mentored um, and entrepreneurs where their business, like people stop buying from them, even though it could be the same product or a new product that's even better when they start losing the passion for it. 
And that's an interesting thing I've seen it in my own businesses. I've seen it as my passion has ebbed and flowed sometimes. So I like this a lot. And I like that, I mean, God took something away, but in a weird way, he kind of also gave you a gift to grow from and to have something to move on with, which is a big deal, I think. Um, And for every close person uh, I've lost um, as well, um, best friends in particular, uh, oddly, and has been become a motivationer for me the same way. Like, okay, like I have a chance to do something with my life that they didn't have. If I waste it, I am a fool. Okay, number one. Yeah. Number two is I'm totally being disrespectful of them. Like, and it really stuck in my head, and I don't know where it came from, but that's like I do not want to disrespect their life and their death by not taking mo- the most advantage of my life and living every day to the most. And it's really hard for me, actually, because if I have employees or coworkers or I guess coworkers would be technically business partners, um, mm-hmm. but uh, team members that work for me, which most people call employees, I try to call them team members. But the thing is, is if they're not living up to their potential or they're not living up to at least doing their job the best way they can. Of course, the world, we need French fry cooks. We need bankers. We need, uh, you know, DoorDash drivers. We need all those things. So every person's function in this world has a purpose, and I believe in that, and we need to look at that. But I also am like, if you're going to do something, do it the best you can, and don't waste your life. Don't waste other people's time, and don't waste other people's lives. And that's really hard for me, and I would say that I set a very high standard in that because of being through things and the loss of the humans that I was very close to. Um, yeah. And so, um, hmm, I'm just, this is awesome. I like this a lot. Where yeah. are you hoping this goes? Like, where are you hoping this business goes? How are you hoping it grows? Um, well, the goal is to get my own facility, I suppose, my own kitchen. Um, I'm still going back and forth on prices for a ghost kitchen but it's really looking like i'm gonna have to just get my own building you know so i'm actually going back and forth in my head on what type of building i want to get what location pretty much how i want to do things you know i'm not quite there yet but that's the goal and hopefully i can have it together by summer next year being realistic Um, I like this. I'm supposed to get into more events. So I'm, I'm working events, but I want to work bigger events. Um, I had a meeting with the, I don't want to throw it out there yet because I don't want to speak on things too quickly before it happens. But I had a, a meeting with a very popular, big, really, really, really big company yesterday um, that pretty much has everything any employee that works for them could need there at their facilities. So... I'm hoping I can get my treats into their kitchens, and if not, at their events. So I'm waiting to hear back from the catering coordinator that's in charge of the entire company, which will be hundreds of thousands of people at their event. So that's something that I'm working out right now. Um, And just pretty much networking with other people that can actually help me get my business out there, bigger people. Because I've been working with a couple of comedians, but I want to work with, I want to reach out to a different, you know, a different, everybody. Not just one type of a group of people, everyone, you know, older people, younger people, every race, every sexuality or origin or gender, whatever you want to call it. Just everyone, you know, even kids. I have things on the menu for kids. 
I do camp parties too. I just did a party for a kid. Uh, chocolate covered Rice Krispie treats and pretzels. I do it for everybody. Like everybody can come here and get anything they want if they have a sweet tooth. I just have to get out there. So I have a, a couple of ideas. I have to put them in motion, and that's what I've been working on really hard this year. You know. I like this a lot because you're you're. You know, everyone's like you can't cater to everyone, but I will mm-hmm. say you can have an open heart for everyone, and I think that yeah. that's a difference. And. You know, one of the things I was going to ask you is, you know, you have you're obviously working in your business a lot. You're you have other jobs that you're trying to do so you can support this dream, which I love as well. But how are you finding time to work in your business and on your business? Like, how are you managing that? And and what are you doing to, like, market and advertise your business? I mean, we talked about this event, but how how did you go about doing this? Well, I never sleep. That's one. Yeah, me neither. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why it's a little, you know, like I really, I'm really excited about this interview, but it's really hard for me to get the messages that I want out because I'm kind of running off 24 hours of no sleep, you know? So I, I, I never sleep. That's I'm trying to manage time a little better, but it's kind of difficult, you know? Um, and then, I don't know, just, you said as far as, what was the other question? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, we're okay. Like, um, it's finding, like, how do you, do, what do you do for your marketing and advertising? Because you're spending a lot of time oh, in okay. your business. Okay. Like, how do you manage all that? Um, I try to do everything I did with my first business, social media and word of mouth. So I'm depending on that a lot. Um, but not only am I trying to advertise or pay for advertisement or get people to repost things all the time. Um, I'm also trying to connect with those people that have a huge following that can advertise for me. Because if I won't get a follow, I would definitely get somebody to ask about an order and possibly place an order. If they don't place an order that day, they'll come back and place an order later, which has been my experience lately when working with people with huge followers, you know. So that's where the goal as far as social media is to get my following up and um, to get my name out there. Yeah, I think you're doing a good job for sure. I mean, I'm all the way in New York City right now. I think I first picked up on you while I was in Nashville, and it keeps coming across my screen um, before I even followed you. So, and I, you know, other people have have talked about it as I was as on social media, and I'm seeing the shares there. And even as I showed people the pictures today, they're just blown away by your product. And I think it does very well on social media. It's very you do a good job with the photographs. You do a good job with the presentation. And you do a good job, I think, probably with communication because you've been outstanding with communicating with me. And I think Thank all you. of that matters. And my last question is this um, because I want to make sure we keep going. And I am going to get you on a part two. I'm going to get get let a few months go by. We'll get you back on a part two because I want to really – I have other questions and stuff. But I want to be okay. respectful of your time. And I also want to hear how you're growing your business and what happens with the kitchen and this event you're going to do. Because I love telling part twos and part threes because I believe, again, that entrepreneurism is a constantly moving target. So when I started this podcast as a project, um, the project was with the goal of telling a continual story for the entrepreneurs that are on the, on here. Because while there's some who just are, are one-hit wonders, I'll call on the podcast, there's a lot whose story continues and want to continue to tell their stories. One, to refine their skills of being able to orate their story and their business and talk about their brands. But also, number two, because we're ever-changing. And the entrepreneurs who listen in, 
if you it's the ones that really do well are always the ones where they get two or three episodes four episodes where they're starting to see the progression of the business and actually get to live it with all of them so i want to do that with you because your story's phenomenal i do believe you're going to grow into a kitchen i do believe you're going to get bigger than the san francisco bay area i do see this as a bigger product uh, and I do think the cheesecake game is hugely underutilized right now and, and underserviced. Um, and there's so many people out there and Cheesecake Factory shouldn't have a monopoly um, by yeah. any means. And I know there's a few other companies that are doing desserts all over the country. There's one in Colorado that's doing really well, all sorts of desserts. They're not going head to head with Cheesecake Factory. And I get it. Okay. You're not thinking about going head-to-head with Cheesecake Factory. You're just producing cheesecake because you want to produce the best thing possible for you. And that's exactly right, the right. attitude. Don't compete. Do the best version of yourself. And by doing that, I think you're going to give them a run for their money on their desserts. And so I love this as well. So I'm going to ask the question of, of um, individuals. Uh, who's been your role models? Who's been your mentors? Like people you looked up to because you have this engine of keep going. And we talked about uh, the passing away of your fiance, but we didn't actually talk about um, anyone else who's been in your life, like parents or I don't know, musicians or anyone that have really motivated you or inspired you. Well, my life is a little different than most people growing up, you know? So my parents, you know, I look at their parents and how good their parents they were and look at how my parents were. And I'm like, well, you know, they did the best they could considering what they went through as children, you know. And a lot of things that a lot of other families was taught, my family wasn't taught. So a lot of things I had to learn on my own as an adult. I didn't really have anybody to look up to when it came to you know, my goals as far as becoming an entrepreneur, I kind of went through the same thing you went through. A lot of my family had city jobs. They, and it's to, to this day, they're trying to convince me into going back into work and be, be with a city job, you know? Yeah. Like, everybody wants me to work, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to work for anybody. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do everything on my own. I have enough experience. Why not? You know? So, I, and then I, I did have people I can you know, call from time to time, like my aunt who owned restaurants in the past, I call her and I'll ask for advice, but um, her advice is a little old school compared to how people are doing things now, you know? So I I guess I can say I looked to her a little bit because she was pretty much the only entrepreneur I was really close to in the family that was able to watch and observe as growing up and learn some things on how to run my own, you know, my own business. and then other people that I just met along the way. I met a whole bunch of people. I know a guy now that uh, he does life insurance, but he owns like 15 barbershops at the same time. And he helped his sister open some salons. And he's actually a pastor of a church. I love you know? this. So I love it. Whenever I, yeah. So whenever I need, you know, in, uh, insight on my business, on real estate, on anything, I can call him. You know, so it's like people that I've met as an adult that actually helped me get to where I'm trying to go because a lot of people that's, that was in my situation or even from my neighborhood was taught that. You know, I know people right now that's older than me, 50, 60 years old and actually doing nothing with their life because they weren't taught out. So, yeah. you know, I, I figure it's a blessing for me to go come as far as I've had. 
I love this. And um, I'm actually, I will get your phone number over Instagram and I'm going to connect you with other entrepreneurs in the area and other ones in, in California, particularly because I think that you have such a, a cool quality about you. But I also think okay. that there's so many out there that could help boost your business that, that are in this business that you could just talk to to help out because I like connecting people. But there's a lot of people that have similar stories to you um, that would be able to help you in the food space and stuff like that. So I'm going to do that as well. But I love the barbershop thing also and, and going to someone who's not in the industry because they have a different perspective than someone in the food industry. So I think there's a lot right. of food knowledge and stuff like that. But this gentleman is obviously thinking outside the box barbershops, insurance, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So I like that as well. Um, if As we start wrapping things up, what do you wish you knew? What do you know now that you wish you maybe knew four or five years ago that you may want to, you could tell any other entrepreneurs out there? Where are like a three or four things that you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I knew this four years ago or five years ago or six years ago when I started becoming an entrepreneur? Um, to actually research instead of just spending money. So research what you're going to spend your money on. When it comes to buying supply, make sure you get things in bulk and you research the prices of that. I mean, it's all a money game. It's all about numbers. Even though you can enjoy everything you're doing, if your number's not right, you're not going to pull in any income. You're basically spending money and giving stuff away for free. You know, so those are two things. Um, you don't always have to have a discount. You don't always have to have a discount. A lot of people be looking for discounts, especially when they're close to you, family and friends. You don't always have to give them a discount because, to be honest with you, are those family and friends actually supporting you? If they're not, if you want a discount, you can repost something for me. I'll give you a discount. You know, like, it has to be something there because a lot of times people will want a discount or want things for free, but they're not helping you achieve your goal. You know, so what's the point? Um, I know that's kind of rough or tough to say, but, I mean, that's that's always real. Um with that 100% actually, but I'll let you keep going. I agree with that 100%. Okay. Um, sticking to your word, actually having a plan. If you write down the plan, stick to that and actually push. Don't get distracted. You can easily get distracted. Distractions come easily. Don't get distracted. Stay focused. You have to. If I would have followed all that, I will probably be in a way better position. I'm in a good position now, but I'll probably be exactly closer to where I want to be. Closer, you know. I even tell young kids, young kids that's just now getting out of high school, look, if you guys do this, this, and this, which I'm doing now, by the time you're my age, you wouldn't have to worry about anything. You have early retirement. Everything I wish people would have taught me growing up, I try to teach people now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. They don't listen, though, but yeah, I try. Neither did I. (laughs) (laughs) As stubborn as it's all stubborn, get out. Um, Yeah. I do like this. So I'm going to touch on that. One is I agree with you. I think that in the world we live in today, there's so much more mentoring than when we were growing up a little bit, like the podcast, the the books, the stuff like that. Also, you know, I think that there's a willingness for people to help you got to help young kids, help young entrepreneurs. You just have to find the right people. I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to do that either. I didn't know how to go build relationships properly. I had to figure out a lot of stuff on my own. And even though I had parents that were, my mom was entrepreneur, I grew up on a farm, horse farm and all that she was, and my father was a businessman, um, the skills that translated that I need, like didn't exactly translate well. 
And so uh-huh. I had to do a lot of stuff on my own and figure out a lot of things on my own because it's just the way it was. Like, oh, do you have homework? Oh, read the book. Okay, well, right. can you help me with my math homework, please? Or can right. you help me with my stuff? But it just wasn't like that. In hindsight, I'm glad they didn't. And because I could see my siblings who they did help. And I'm, I, I've am i learned to handle things on my own. I learned to be on life on mm-hmm. my own. I can be a little stubborn because of it. And I don't not always had to know how to accept help and generosity. But I do know that I can survive on my own. And I believe in myself enough to do it. And like you, I wish I would have known a lot of things early on. Or I would have seeked better mentors or seeked better coaches or people in the food game that were actually having uber success versus someone who just came into my life that was running a business because I think there's a difference there there's a mentality difference that just makes the difference between okay I'm doing well and like I'm successful okay and I'm not talking only financially I'm talking about with happiness and all that stuff and joy and passion the last thing that I want to just uh, hit on and then we'll start to get off here is the discounts I cannot tell you how important that is, especially in a food business. Like, here's the thing. If you start discounting it, you're basically saying I'm overcharging you. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one. Number two is if you start giving special treatment to friends and family, then you're saying to your customers, well, you're important, but my friends and family are more important. Okay? Right, right. And that doesn't go very far. That's the other part. And number three with discounts are is if someone's if you you start doing discounts, it means you're unintentionally or intentionally competing over price with someone. Like you want to be like the price person. I'm going to cut it off, and it's because of an ego thing. I want to be able to sell this stuff. I want people to be able to like it, or I want them to be able to like my product and all that. And I get it. We do this across the board, and everyone's like, "Oh, there's discount house and all that." Yeah, but look how much mm-hmm. money they lose on a sale. They're just trying to right, sell right. the garments so they don't lose their behind. It's it's a it's a land grab, for lack of a better term, in the opposite direction. It's like they're trying right. to dispose of inventory as fast as possible, or they overbought, or something like that. So they're trying to recover a mistake, which is actually compounding the mistake. It's compounding right, the business. Right. Why these businesses actually have trending problems because once you do that enough people are like oh it's not a top brand it's not a top food it's not a top whatever it's a discounted one because they offer discounts all the time so that's mm-hmm. the thing that for me i stay away from 100 percent because i agree right, with right. you no discounts and if you're going to get one you better be ordering like okay i'll reward you with volume okay if you order ten thousand candy go. apples in this case Okay, we can go down a little bit. The volume helps right. me negotiate there. Okay? Right. But it's not a discount. It's something they've earned by spending more money with me. And so Exactly. There it, we go. And their loyalty and the the quantity. So that's what it is and I agree with you. Like most people want something and want you to discount the price, but you're not okay you're getting a cheaper food it's you say you're supporting my business by being here but you're not benefiting me you're actually costing me money and you're giving me a bad image and if you're not going to share it on social media and you're not going to like all my posts every day or help support it or share them 
and, and help it or write at least write a comment about how great my food is, right. then what is, what is the benefit of me giving something to you or losing money because of you? And I get it. People are family and friends. But actually, I will say this, and I've learned this the very, 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 very hardest way possible, is that mm-hmm. often when you do that, they become your worst customers. They become the people that come into your <laughs> shop and they demand the weirdest things and then they want customized things and they want special treatment. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, you want a discount and you want better treatment than everyone else and higher customer yeah. service? I'm like, how did that happen? You know, and um, you know, I'll just leave it with that. And I appreciate your time, Sharice. And, and I, I appreciate it. I want to add on to yeah. that too. Go ahead. Also, Absolutely. when it comes to friends and family, doesn't matter. Friends, family, people that you don't know, always get a deposit. Yeah. Always get a deposit. Doesn't matter. Oh, my gosh. I've learned that even with big contracts. Always get money down. And if they negotiate mm-hmm. out of it, don't do business with them. Even though you like them or you may have already started a relationship, it's never too late to say no. Right, and protect right. your business and protect your employees and protect yourself and protect your investments and do the right thing because if you're really doing the right thing it may look like you're hurting this person by not taking by not servicing them and not taking a deposit but if they screw you over you mm-hmm. hurt a lot more people than that just one person you would have hurt right, by not right. doing their product you know so I just look at things that way like what is the greater good for my business I've got to have a dream big enough for all my Uh, employees and their families dreams to fit into my dream and if I give something away to a random stranger who's just a customer and he's at and they're not willing to give a deposit they're never going to be willing to give a deposit and the next thing you know I'm the bank and you're the bank and we're banking their food you know until (laughs) they pay us (laughs) you know so it's like because our money's tied up in theirs and they didn't pay a single cent for it yet and we're waiting on the come but that money that was helping run our business and cash flow is now tied up in food for someone who hasn't put any skin in the game you're right you know so it's here nor there but it's just generally if you go to mcdonald's you pay for your food before it's produced just saying yeah if you go to a restaurant yes you pay once you've eaten but if you're getting it to go you pay before they give it to you so you're right you know doordash shoot before you've even the order's even been set to the restaurant you've paid for it because you pay for it yep. first, and they make sure it doesn't bounce back. They wait a little bit, and then the order goes in. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. Exactly. So when people ask for, like, no deposit or no money up front, I'm like, well, you do it everywhere else. Like, why am yeah, I different? Yeah, with me? Yep. I'm in food. Exactly. They're in food. You don't go to McDonald's and tell them you're going to pay them 50%, and then the other half when you pick it up. No, they're like, pay me now, or I'm not going to produce your food. So, yeah. I mean, and I get it when you're doing mass volumes and catering, you have to deliver the food and people want to see it so that you don't take all of their money and run. But there still has to be skin in the game of some sort, at least a deposit. And so I love it. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell us where they can find you online? Well, you can definitely find me on Instagram at C underscore kind of sweet. K-I-N-D-O-F. S-W-E-E-T. Um, you can also find me on TikTok. Same thing. Sharice is kind of sweet. And on Facebook. So all the social media, or most of the social media outlets. Twi- Twitter as well. 
Yeah. I love it. You're like you do not, you don't sleep at night like I do. I can tell by yeah. all the things you're managing. Um, I just can't help it. I love doing it. So it's like, uh oh, like if I don't if I don't need a lot of sleep, then I'm going to keep pushing my businesses. I'm going to keep growing the podcast. I'm going to keep growing Freedom Foods. I'm going to keep you know doing the TV show, whatever I can do to keep growing because. I don't want to waste my life and I don't want to look back on my life and regret anything. That's a big thing. Um, and I have enough of those already because sometimes we just accidentally make, make mistakes and we regret them. So I try not to do that. And the, but mostly making the mistakes and regretting them would be nothing compared to regretting the life I didn't live. You know, I think that that would be the the biggest thing. So Sharice, thank you. you so much for coming on the You're show. Just I appreciate you, the audience. We will have a part two and a part three. I'm not like those other people. I'm going to keep pushing. So I know you two, are. Push. I have no doubt. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you big time. <laughs> I root you. for a lot of people. I believe in it. And I'm one of those ones. I don't care how big you get. Keep getting bigger. You know, keep building your brand. Keep living that dream. If, if, if it's big now, it's going to be bigger later, you know, and... um so I love it, uh, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate the audience. Thank you guys for listening in. I appreciate all the shares and the downloads and the growth of this podcast around the world. We're in over 134 countries now, which is kind of crazy. Like, there was a country that popped up the other day. Like, it started with a G, and it's, like, off the coast of, of France, and it's a former Commonwealth country, uh, state of Great Britain. And I thought I knew all the countries in the world. I'm like, oh, we're now in this country. I didn't even know it was a country. Wow. wow. And so um, cool things like that have happened. And, like, I just because I keep pushing, I never give up, no matter the ups and downs and COVID almost taking out the podcast and mm. and things like that because people panicked and everyone canceled all their bookings on me on and in one month now it's why I kind of stay on top of it more than I did before because I lined out almost a whole year of recording in 2020 and then COVID happened it was like everyone canceled on me because they were too scared to get on there because they didn't know what was going to happen to their businesses so that being said thank you again everyone for listening in I appreciate you guys you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find the podcast on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. I'm Justin Bizarro. Again, that's B I double Z A double R O. If you want to find me personally, you can find me at Justin Bizarro on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you, everyone, and we're out.